the Royals Rundown podcast presented by Royals Review. If you want to keep updated on all things Kansas City Royals, please go visit RoyalsReview.com. You can also support the podcast further by following us on Twitter at Royal Rundown Pod. That is R-O-Y-A-L-R-U-N-D-O-W-N-P-O-D. If you want to keep the conversation going with us, you can do that too. On Spotify, you can respond to our polls and questions and answers. You can respond to the Q&A. Hey, we'll read it on the following episode. So, Jeremy, in the last episode, we asked folks, how can the Royals gain your trust back? Because it seems like that uh, that keeps coming up ahead of the offseason. And we had some really, really good results. So, longtime answerer and listener, I would assume, Royal Rupert said the team needs to commit to modern baseball. Pitchers with high strikeouts, such as Anthony Veneziano, who he suggested, and position players with on-base skills, such as John Rave. I thought those were a couple of deep cuts there. I, I like those, Rupert. Ginger said, be aggressive this offseason. Make an effort to acquire quality pitchers rather than more inning eaters. I cannot agree more with that, Ginger. And lastly, Aaron Bailey said, be more transactional this offseason. Salvi and Singer need to be offloaded, but fans should be patient if that happens to judge the return. Hey, listen, we all kind of jumped all over the Aroldis Chapman return, and look how that's working out for the Royals <laughs> right now. I, I'm loving it. Thank you, as always, for checking out our polls and questions and answers on every episode. We love to hear back from you guys, and it just it makes the podcast stronger. Can't lie to you. Now it is time for my co-host. I do not have a synonym for for him this week because I am starting to run out. I have to find a new word. It It's not going well, everyone. I suck at words. But you can follow him on Twitter at Hakaius. That is H-O-K-I-U-S. He is Jeremy Greco. Jeremy, how are we doing this evening? Okay, okay. Uh, settle down, everybody. I'm going to let you finish in just a minute. But first, uh, there's a deep cut for you. I think I've said it all wrong, but uh, I'm very white. So what do you want from me? Wow. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm here. I'm ready. Yeah. But we should probably talk baseball. I got to figure out how to make my brain stop with the Chris Jones Oof. stuff. But uh, but then baseball. Baseball is is good too. I think yeah. yes. Sometimes maybe, maybe. baseball for other good. teams. Yes, the Royals are not good at baseball, but baseball is good. Right? Yes. They yes. okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just a so just a, another low point of this season, I would call it, is over at Kings of Kaufman. You know, they're talking about hey, this this story's doing really good. It's doing really good numbers and stuff. Everyone's magic magic story this week has been what's the what's the number for your teams like how many wins do they have to get to clinch the postseason how many losses before they're eliminated hey the royals made my job really easy okay they're already eliminated from the postseason mathematically it ain't happening the cinderella story is not their, coming jeremy their magic number is e yes e for every not eliminated yeah I for everyone i know everyone hates it when math starts having letters in it but uh <laughs> that's what the royals have done to us the yeah the royals are so advanced at math they're like algebra they're throwing letters <laughs> where the numbers are supposed to be but li listen everyone out there later on the show 
We are going to overreact to some Royals players from the past month. August was a very interesting month for individual performances. Plus, Jeremy and I are going to overreact because I am a noted non-overreactor. Yes, of course. I I am very sorry for pigeonholing you like that, Jeremy. I I should take that. (laughs) as a note and you know actually write <laughs> yes. it down yeah right write that down <laughs> yes. describe it upon your mind well thank you i i will i it sounds like some self-mutilation but i'm not going to do that but first let's go ahead and hear a word from our sponsors all righty everyone we are back here on the royals rundown podcast you already heard where you can follow us on twitter so Listen, let's just go ahead and get right into it. The story of the month has to be Cole Reagans from the Kansas City Royals. That He was the main return that we were talking about in that Chapman deal. And man, it has looked great for the Royals so far. He was named the American League Pitcher of the Month. Jeremy, sorry. Uh, yeah, my, I was just going to say my favorite part is when I started seeing the, the Texas Rangers fan blogs going, <laughs> oh, the Royals ripped us off. Yeah, <laughs> no one was saying that about two months ago, man. Right. Um, and let's see here. Yeah, for August, he was absolutely lights out. Reagan's led the league in ERA at 1.72. Absolutely elite. <laughs> 53 strikeouts in the month and had 1.9 wins above replacement in that Ooh. one month. So Which good. I, might be more than anyone has anyone else on the staff has for the entire season. I think I think it is more than everyone except for Brady Singer. I think so. And he's I don't know, he might pass Brady Singer before the season's done. Oh, I think he will. I'm just saying for that one month, he's better than everybody else has been over the entire season. It is wild. It is absolutely Which, wild. I, let's be clear, 1.9 war in a month is just unreal that's there's lots of criticisms that we can lay against the royals pitching staff this year but saying that 1.9 war over a month it's f war right yeah f war over a month is is outpacing them like that that's not necessarily anything to be ashamed of that it's gonna it's almost always going to outpace relievers for example yes uh, oh my goodness just that is just unreal it is. It is. And there's there's a couple other big, you know, historical marks. For example, he had 53 strikeouts in the month. That was the second most by any Royals pitcher in a single month. Only right. second to Dennis Leonard back in 1977. That's pretty Which, good company to have. Yeah, that was that was an amazing. If you go look that up, that was an amazing season for Leonard. That's I know I'm old, but that's a little bit before my time. So I, <laughs> I didn't have to look it up. And he also uh, pitched a lot more innings to get those strikeouts for sure for sure yeah i know he reagan's became the first royals pitcher in more than 14 years to win pitcher of the month honors that is crazy zach granke did it last in 2009 when he was on fire but guys like david cone brett saberhagen it's like there's a pretty good list of pitchers who have had this award before, and Reagan's like joins. If Danny them. Duffy is is the floor for him, and we're getting in on the the ground floor of Danny Duffy. That's you can live with that for sure. Yeah, you can definitely live with that for, for a, a rental of a reliever. That is a successful trade. Yes, it, it and is. that's before Rony Cabrera even you know makes it to Double A. 
exactly. And he's he was doing pretty good in his own right down there in the in the DSL. I know he's a far ways away, but this I think this is a definitive win of a trade by the Royals, say the least. But that's all thanks to Cole Reagans. Now, Jeremy, you sent me over a piece from Fangraphs. We were talking about F-War earlier on. Uh, Fangraphs, if you don't know what that is, definitely one of the best places to look up stats, projections, and just analysis about all things baseball. Some very good writers over there. Um, And there was a very interesting one from Mr. Esteban Rivera earlier on this week titled The Coal Train Has Taken Kansas City by Storm. Which, By the way, I I love that nickname, the coal train. I'm I'm all I'm all on board the coal train, baby. I I still can't get over coal blooded. Uh, that one's good too. <laughs> my wife says I was hoping for coal in my stocking this year, and uh, <laughs> I, uh, I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. It <laughs> feels weird. <laughs> <laughs> Cole handles that. Oh my gosh. See, that is see, she is a Phillies fan, so she loves loves Cole Hamels. Uh, oh, and that did you, I, and didn't didn't Cole Reagan say that he tried to model himself on Cole Hamels? He did. He did. Did you see that um did you see the pitching ninja overlay? I did not see that. Oh is my it really God. good? It is so good. Like it's uncanny. Folks were saying that they saw a lot of um Blake Snell in his in his movement, that but could be a, I mean, I certainly can think of worse people to, to be. Yeah, no doubt. Here, let's let, let's see if I can do this. Can I share my screen? Give me that. Boom. Let's let, let's watch this together real quick, Jeremy. You see this? All right, let's do it. I see it. All right. My body is ready. Watch this. Look at that. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness! It's it's identical that except is, the leg kick. That is eerie. That's amazing. I like that. I know, right? I like that a lot. Kudos to uh, and to I've always, you know, I've always it, Cole Reagan's delivery. Everyone talks about it, and I'm I'm also a big fan of his delivery. So knowing that it's a lot like Cole Hamels, who had a very long, not just good but very long career in the big leagues, um, mm-hmm. that that seems like a, a positive. Oh yeah, for sure. If you if you're gonna model yourself after a player, you could do worse than Cole Hamels. I will, I will definitely agree with that. So back to the back to the Fangraphs article. Um, they were this did raise some questions for us when you when you sent it over to me. We were talking about it earlier on today, and that's because I, I'm trying to think. So you know, I I don't listen to Kansas City sports radio a whole lot. Um, and the Royals are pretty tight lipped as an organization about everything. It seems nowadays, which yeah, there, there's a reason we don't find about, find out about their deadline trades until after the deadline is passed. I, know, right? <laughs> I, I completely forgot about that. Like for, for example, the Royals opened up a, 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 a spot on the 40 man by sending Daniel Lynch to the 60 man or to the 60 day IL, excuse me. And like, we still don't know what that corresponding move is. Mm. So there's no rumors, nothing. It's, it's just going to happen. So we, we are still waiting to see who will come up to, uh, to replace him on the 40 man for the time being. Is it you? I, I thought it was you, honestly, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, nope. I didn't get the call this time. <laughs> Yikes. I think, I think I'm getting a letter. 
that's that's what I'm expecting because I haven't gotten a phone call yet. But I I'm <laughs> hope I'm holding out hope for a letter. I, the uh, letters take a while. Uh, I'm not sure that's that this is the best plan. <laughs> well, and then I have to respond by by letter, and then by the time they get the letter, the season's over. So that's that's just how it works. All right. Uh, how unfortunate. So close. Very, so close. Yet so far away. But Mr. Rivera talked about a little bit more on where Cole's improvements came from, I guess is the word for it, because mm-hmm. he made a lot of jumps between last mm-hmm. season and this season, more velocity, um, more consistently finding the strike zone and adding that uh, slider. Yeah, was those were big steps forward for him. And I just want to read this from Rivera's piece. I don't want yeah. to take a jab at the Royals who deserve some credit here but haven't done a great job of late in developing pitchers. I can't disagree with that. But there's something to be said about a team supporting its player in consulting outside sources mid-year. It makes even more sense from an organization that doesn't have a great track record. So far, the collaboration is looking fantastic. So, Jeremy, before we move on with this, I do want to get your thoughts. Like, How, how do you feel about the Royals looking outside the organization in the middle of the season? You know, I I am a big fan of that. I think that whenever you have an opportunity to to gain knowledge or to to use some tools, um, then I think that's I think it's smart to do so. Um, so if the Royals are are letting or encouraging or whatever players um, talk to kind of outside coaches, um, and then of course you're they're gonna work with the Royals coaches too. Right. So Cole Reagans yeah. is going to go to his guy um, at uh, the tread athletics, I believe it was. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then come back to the Royals and be like, I don't have to listen to you. I talked to my guy. <laughs> Everything's good. Like they're going to, it's all going to work, you know, together. And so one thing we've talked in the past about how um, the driveline guys, especially Brad Keller and Zach Greinke this year went to driveline and then they came to the Royals and, and they were getting a lot of credit, you know, oh, they went to driveline, everything's fixed, and then they weren't fixed. Right. Um, and so I don't know if this is a new thing or if the the Tread Athletics guys just are smarter or if Cole Reagans is just more talented um, <laughs> or if we just haven't seen the fall off yet. Fingers crossed that's not coming. I should have even yeah. spoken it into the air. Oh, my goodness, um, but yeah, so I think I think whenever you have an opportunity to improve, I think that's it's smart. And hopefully um, the Royals are are taking whatever Cole is getting from them and learning from it. And they're going to be able to implement that for their for everybody else in the future. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And that is I think it's cool to hear about another um, what's it called organization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Other than driveline, I understand that there's a lot of these pitching coaches out there, but driveline is kind of the the big fish in that pond, if you will. So more a little bit more about tread, because, I mean, Rustin Dodd put out a piece on the athletic and I, I understand folks might not like the athletic and right, rightfully so. But Rustin Rustin's a very good writer. And I. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Very, very insightful. And he talked about how like Reagan's was just raving about tread, like talking about his personal coach, Tyler Zombro, who was a a major league pitcher as well. Um, He's the man. They're awesome people over there. And just talking about how 
his body's moving better and uh, like a nothing bad to say about shred athletics at all which is very <laughs> good very good advertising but that's what happens when you're actually putting out a good product <laughs> right so that one, is go for it i was just gonna say one thing that i really did like about them and that i think uh driveline does this too i think any of them are gonna have to do this but it's the the personalized approach yeah um, which has actually been a criticism of the the royals pitching development in the past is that it's very one size fits all and the human body is so special everybody is so unique um, that just being like, oh, well, here's the exercises that every pitcher does is just mm-hmm. not an effective way to deal with things. So having them have this individualized approach uh, really sounds intelligent to me. Um, and yeah. obviously it, it's reaping dividends here. Yes, that that it certainly is. And Annie Rogers has talked about in the past, like how that personalized approach is starting to uh, to take over in the in the Royals minor leagues, at least. Mm-hmm. Now, when we were talking earlier on, that's a that might be a little bit harder to do in season at the major league level. Right, you exactly. Think you, you are on the road going from game to game. You're just trying to put together a scouting report for the opposing batters. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it might just not be conducive. And, and you've got, pitchers. you know, one pitching coach, right? And yeah. He's got assistants like Zach Bove, the bullpen coach, other, et cetera. But you've got one pitching coach for not just 13 pitchers, but for all the guys who are coming up and down. Yeah. So that's that's a lot to ask from one coach while all this other stuff is going on. It is. It, it's it's a lot to ask, and I would love to be – I know I've said this before about anything involving the Royals. I would love to be a fly on the wall. I would mm-hmm. love to hear the thought process behind like prioritizing what a pitching coach needs to do while mm-hmm. on a road trip or something like that. So and- I – Go for it. I think I think that, you know, we've I think we've seen some results this year as far as pitching coaching goes. Um, And I think because of this stuff, we could really see like a a revamp, an overhaul of processes that happens this offseason where they go, okay, so now we've brought in. I had some new ideas. This worked. This didn't work. Let's do this more. And, you know, that's that's kind of what the offseason is already for. So I'm I'm. Based on the improvements we've already seen where it was kind of like, I don't even know what, you know, the Brian Sweeney comes in. He doesn't even know what the situation is, right, Um, Mm -hmm. when he gets here. um, And he has to kind of figure that out. So I I have high hopes for what what can happen next year with that. I I do as well. And just to to button all this up, Reagan's quote to close out the story at the end of the season i'll redo my movement assessment sign up for another year and figure out what i've worked on that's become really good and what i would need to work on now like <laughs> if it, if it ain't broke don't fix it and that is that is what his people are telling him as far as i can tell that is his mindset in regards to this so i i like it um he is i don't know he, he's been nothing but electric for the royals to close out this season Finally, the Royals have a starting pitcher again where we can watch. And it's like, okay, like this is, it used to be Zach Greinke. Like, all right, right, we are probably going to win this game just because Zach Greinke's on the mound. Now, as of late, it's been Cole Reagans. Yep. Though, so, though the funny thing is, you say that, but I think back to 2009 and how there was all kinds of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kerfuffle. I guess is the word I'm going to go with kerfuffle 
because Zach Greinke <laughs> finished the season with only 16 wins. Only. They were like, can he yeah. win? Can he win the Cy Young with only 16 wins? Hey, we, we've always said wins are never a great way to decide how good a pitcher actually is. Right. And the 2009 Royals are a great example of that. <laughs> that man was getting no run support. None whatsoever. All right, Jeremy, let's go ahead and take a quick ad break. Coming up on the other side of this, we are we're going to be talking about quite a few players. We got to talk about Michael Massey, Nick Lofton, Edward Olivares, and more. Stay tuned. And we are back here on the Royals Rundown podcast. Before we get back into it, please follow the podcast on Twitter at Royal Rundown Pod so you never miss an episode or any Royals news. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jacob Milham KC, and you can follow Jeremy at Hakias. Now on with the Royals. So, Jeremy, we uh, it is kind of been a light week for news, and mm-hmm. we all know what the national media does when it's a light week for news. They start pulling hot takes out. They start saying crazy <laughs> things, and I I talked to you. I I approached you. I was like, hey. What, what do we want to talk about? And you brought up Michael Massey and his role in the major league club. And yep. I will say, it turns out that we are on the opposite ends of the spectrum on this one. So it's about time. I know, right? We, we agree too often, Jeremy. I'm uh, starting to get <laughs> concerned. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so no one's ever right. seen I, us in the same room together. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Maybe we're just one person who's really good at changing their voice. Oh, yeah. Could be. Very, two, two very distinct Someone voices. Knows. Yes, my, my my wife is right. I do have conflict issues as well. So oh, that, uh, well. that plays into it. So, Jeremy, back to Michael Massey. I would like to hear your your thoughts on his major league role. You know, what we, we know what position he is. We know what he brings. But I want to hear your thoughts. So... Here's the thing about Michael Massey. There's some stuff we know. We know that he is an excellent defender. He, as the Royals broadcast crew is very fond of talking about, he uh, famously won a minor league gold glove. Um, he, I'm looking at his baseball savant page right now. He is considered in the 89th percent, uh, a percentile of range outs above average. He is one of the best defenders at second base in the game we know so we know he can he he can play defense we also know that he's not very fast but he is a smart base runner um we can see on baseball savant his baseball or his base running run value is in the 81st percentile so it's not elite it's not michael garcia it's not bobby witt jr but he does bring some positives to that base running we also know that he has not hit at all this year <laughs> he's he's in the ninth percentile Oof. among the league's worst hitters um and it is just it's it's bad yeah. um no denying that that said dude hit an upper tank shot last night 440 some odd feet home run that is a legitimate home run so we have not seen him hit for power last year. He had 
Oh, do you not have like normal stats on here? Baseball savant just have all like they have all these metrics. I'm like, uh, how many home runs did he have? <laughs> uh, he, he had some home runs last year. Not many. He has, <laughs> he has 11 home runs this year, which is the same as Nelson Velasquez in a lot less time or Velasquez. I should say, um, so he hasn't really hit for power, but that upper tank shot convinces me that the power is in him. He's mm-hmm. just not showing it right now. He had four home runs last year in 52 games. So his power has actually increased since last year. Um, his ISO has gone up just a little bit um, from 133 to 141. Um, so, yeah. What we need to see from him is we need he doesn't have to be a great hitter to be worth playing at second base. If yeah. he can be an elite defender and a net positive base runner, he just has to be close. He has to be 80, 85, 90 WRC plus, and you can live with him, especially if he can crank out the occasional home run. If he can hit, uh, you know, 15 home runs, 20 home runs even, I think that power is in there. Um then, then he is worth having on your team, um, and or at least that's my my viewpoint. And and so, the problem is that he hasn't shown it. He's only shown it in flashes over the yeah. last season and a half. And so, it's been an evaluation year. I kind of want to keep evaluating him. I want to see if he can put it all together. We, every time I'm ready to give up on him, he does something like the two home run game in Yankee Stadium. Or the tank shot here, and it's not just the home runs, but like if you can hit the ball hard, then you're you're gonna have success, and eventually you would think though <laughs> Brian O'Hearn stands on the other side of that argument. Though yeah. again, he's actually had success with Baltimore this year, so he has. That's that's kind of my argument right now is that Michael Maskin is elite def- is an elite defender. He's a positive on the base paths. And he's shown flashes at the plate that I believe could make him a viable big league second baseman. He just has to put it all together. Okay. All right. I don't um I don't see any way that that you're wrong. I mean, you you came with your receipts. I am this this has been a year of evaluation. We've, mm-hmm. we've heard that from the broadcasters a lot too. <laughs> I we we were all kind of feeling good about Michael Massey in the in early August, I would say, early to mid mid August. Yeah. We're feeling good about him. It was when he had that power surge. Yeah, and he just hasn't done much since. And when I say much, I mean like anything. So it's kind of all balanced out. And even when even when you look at his second half as as a whole, the the strikeouts are down a lot, which is good, but also the walks are down. The average is up a little bit, but the OPS is still 683. Like that's not, that's not elite or not, not even truth be told. I don't know what the league average OPS is off the top of my head, but I do know that his weighted runs created plus is at 77, even for what we would consider a good span, a good second half. Now I I understand I understand the glove and I understand the value in that because we we have seen that value or we have seen players bring that value and that will keep them on a major league roster and in the lineup. That's okay. You got to have bats, you got to have gloves. It's part of baseball. But 
even when we're considering, hey, like this is his like this is good. This has kind of been his high watermark. It's he's still 20 percent more than 20 percent below the average MLB hitter. And when you have a whole bunch of a whole bunch of players that are keep the keep the line moving and get the guy over. He I, I'm looking at his performance with runners in scoring position, and he actually I was surprised. He actually does very well. He does. But it also lately he's just kind of been he hasn't been moving those players along. We are we're not seeing the same strikeout issues that we were seeing to start off the year. Because I remember I couldn't I couldn't stand it. The guy was just a, a free swinger and he was he was striking out at what seemed like a crazy rate at at that time. We're not seeing that, but we're still seeing like similar production, I guess in, is the word for it. So optically it feels better, but when when you really look at the numbers, it's it's still slightly better, but it's not to the point of where you want to see. Now, I I understand, you know what, Samad Taylor might not be the might not be the ultimate guy you want in your in your lineup. I, I understand that. But now we got Nick Lofton up here, man. And mm. Nick Lofton has been doing nothing but producing at the plate. He's had like I think as of right now that we're recording, he's had sixteen ABs. He's reached base in nine of them. He is he is just producing at a elite clip right now, and I understand that it is a very small sample size, extremely small. But like this is Nick Lofton was a very high draft pick for a reason, and. Michael Massey was a fourth rounder for a reason. And that's a difference in ceiling. So do we want to hitch our horse to 25 year old Michael Massey who won a gold glove in minor leagues and is still a good glove, but kind of a a poor bat or we want to see more Nick Lofton. I Right now, I'm on the line of Nick Lofton. I'm not saying that Michael Massey doesn't belong in the major leagues, but I kind of think that he needs to... I think that he would fit better somewhere else. We talked about that power surge in Yankee Stadium, and that's because their stadium is set up for batters that fit his profile. So, all, all in all, man, I am... I I hate to say this. I'm out on Michael Massey right now. I wouldn't mind him being on the bench, but I don't want to see him starting more than like 40% of the games to close out the season at second base. Kind of, kind of done. I think it makes sense to see as much of Lofton as you can, whether that means playing him over Massey or playing him over other people. He's spelled Michael Garcia again. Uh, tonight so um something is is going on with michael garcia so we may not we may get both of them um (laughs) and and i absolutely want to see loft and i am as impressed with his small sample size debut as you are i think um the one thing i do kind of want to push back on is that yeah the two home runs in yankee stadium 
yeah, Yankee Stadium for lefty hitters, but those were out in 30 out of 30. Um, 30 out of 30 ballparks, that is. Yeah. That's so, no, that's that's absolutely true. That's true. The, that plays anywhere. And the my biggest problem with Michael Massey right now is that they keep batting him fourth or fifth. Um, and I would like to see him batting eighth or ninth. <laughs> Um, I think his floor is as a utility player. So if you want to, uh, if you want to put um, my brain just completely vanished. Nick if you want to put Nick Lofton, you know, at second base and you want to get Michael Massey to, uh, to learn some third base, some first base, maybe some outfield. Um, I think, I think that could be valuable. I also, you know, I want to see, I want to see Nick Lofton do it for longer before I'm like, yeah, definitely Nick Lofton next year. I think I think <laughs> Nick Lofton has earned himself a legitimate shot. Um, and I am I'm I gotta say I am all out on Samad Taylor. Um okay. I was very excited for his debut, but it just it ain't happening. So, you know, I'm I'm ready to move on there. Uh, okay. well, okay, I'm not really necessarily ready to move on, but I'm certainly not putting him in the lineup ahead of either Lofton or Massey right now. Yeah, there there you go. I I mean, there's a reason why he was sent back to AAA Omaha. But there are, I, I don't know, man. It is, we, we talk about what moves need to be made this offseason and stuff like that. I just think that Michael Massey does have quite a bit of value as a trade sweetener. I'm not saying he is a, he's a major pack, like a, the major focal point, but I'm looking at, at his numbers by, home by a park like if he was playing all of his games for the Astros at home he'd had 14 home runs this year same thing for the Phillies same thing for the Reds um it's even even in Camden Yards for the Orioles he'd have 13 just I don't know if his profile works best in Coffin Stadium now nobody's does true I will. Uh, say- if you're a gap to gap hitter, which you could argue that Massey actually is, has at least at this point in his career been more of a gap to gap hitter than a, a home run hitter, you you then Kaufman is a good place for you. But that's uh, fair. Uh, the maybe maybe he is trying too much to to hit those massive bombs, and he needs to rein it in a little bit. I maybe so. I and I think you know you might be right. Maybe there's just not room for him on this team. Um, if somebody else wants to pay him, I know I look at him. He's 25 years old. He is more valuable than Nicky Lopez guaranteed 100% yeah. every yeah, time. Um, Nicky Lopez had no power. He has power. He plays defense almost as well as Lopez. I mean, at second base, they're very comparable. I, I haven't seen him at shortstop. I don't know what he could do there. Uh, probably not as well as Nicky, honestly, but um at second base, he can he can play Nicky Lopez and and honest. I don't think anybody's playing Nicky at short. Um, they've primarily no, see him so. as a second baseman, yeah, um, and a utility guy. So I I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe they should trade him. But if they do keep him, um, they absolutely have to keep him at the bottom of the order. No yeah. no more batting third or fourth. That's just getting ridiculous. And I think that just makes people more frustrated because it's like holy. I'm not even sure he belongs with this roster and you're batting him third. Come on. <laughs> so 
before we move on from Michael Massey, I, I will say this. Something that will make him a better fit in Kansas City, in my mind, is if the guy gets is at least competent at another position. Mm-hmm. Because that is that is one of the best parts of a player like Michael Garcia or Nick Lofton. We've seen Nick Lofton line up at three different spots in yep. four games. We've seen Michael Garcia go all over the left side of the infield. Michael Massey, he is second base or designated hitter. That is that is it. And it's it's almost a little frustrating seeing him in there as a designated hitter because that that's not a strong suit. His best <laughs> his best trait is his glove. And if he's not giving you that, I mean, the numbers don't lie. He is he's a negative at the plate this year. Yeah. No, you're you're definitely right about that. Yeah, there's if he needs a day off, give him a day off. Don't yep. don't designate it hit him. That's, that's listen, a waste of a designated hitter spot. If if he's a platoon guy, that's fine. That's that's okay to admit. Some play some players that is just their ceiling. A lot of players. Yeah, that's true. I will I will make you feel better about my, Michael Massey for a second. Okay. So I'm like looking better. So you're talking about baseball savant earlier, right? Yeah. If you scroll down to his batted ball profile for this year, the guy, okay. guys that he is compared to the 2022 <laughs> version of, of Matt Olson, who is doing great things. Yeah. All-star 2023, Jonah Heim. And then 2022, Marcelo Zuna. That's yep. pretty good company to keep. I, yeah, I will say that. The other two on here, Kevin Pillar, 2023, 2022, Seth Brown, are not, they're not bad guys to be compared nope, to. They're not. And you know what? We, I know our guest, Jack Johnson, on his podcast, he always has a saying, take the, take the stuff over results for a pitcher. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's something that we need to watch for with Michael Massey. I've, I've always been a process over results guy. I get that the results have to be there. That's why they eventually had to move on <laughs> from Ryan O'Hearn, but that's why I defended him for so long is Fair. because if the guy hits the ball hard, he's going to have success, even hitting it into the ground. Eric Hosmer showed us that. Um, <laughs> I, now, could Eric Hosmer have had more success if he didn't hit it into the ground? Ryan O'Hearn again stands as, oh yeah, if you hit it in the air sometimes and you hit it hard, that's better. So wow. um, I, let me, you know, I bet if I look, Michael, uh, I bet if I look at Massey, what's his, uh, what, what's his round ball percentage? Oh shoot. I just closed out I of bet this it's way too high. Come on, work with me. You're, you're, you're killing me here, Jeremy. Oh, no, it's only 32.2%. That's actually not that bad. No, it's not. Um, so he, need, I, he, I needs to put a little bit, he needs to put a little more balls in the opposite direction. He is. He's yeah, well below that, that. that. He does pull a lot. He does. Um, when he's probably benefiting some from the lack of shift, but they can still shift some. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, hitting it the other way would probably help, especially because he does not have Ryan O'Hearn power. No, he he does not. But I definitely thought that we had a little bit of opposing viewpoints on that, but mm-hmm. that we both had reasons for that, and that is A-OK. I think the next one, though, is going to rile up some folks because it is about a player everyone loves. Everyone loved to see back, and we were so happy to see his name in the September call-ups. Edward Olivares, everyone. woo yeah. 
the uh, the left fielder savant right there, Edward Olivares. Excuse me. No, man, he is. Uh, it's undeniable to say that he has been on a heater since returning from Omaha. Um, granted, it's only three games, the third through the fifth. But, hey, he's got 500 batting average, two home runs, five hits. 17 uh 1.746 ops nothing uh nothing wrong with that and granted he's done it mostly in low leverage situations which is frustrating but he is producing i i do need to go back and look at some point because i think he's uh he's always had like a good five ten game stretch after coming back from omaha Mm -hmm. and then like that eventually dwindles down but Jeremy, the a lot of folks are associating his value to the Royals with his glove, which is fine. We saw him a lot out left field this year when he was yeah, arguably one of the much. worst outfielders in baseball. Not good. Don't like that. But is he a MLB hitter or not? The WRC plus says not as a designated hitter. He's at 94 this year. Um, His career high was 109 last year in 53 games. Okay. Uh, But again, I go look at the Savant and I see he's in the 61st percentile with ex-WOBA, which doesn't sound great, but you got to have a lot of guys to fill out a lineup. Um, 76th in expected batting average, 67th in expected slugging. Um, he does not strike out that much and he doesn't swing and miss that much. That said, (laughs) his average exit velocity is in the 14th percentile. I know. It's so surprising. Right. His barrel percentage is in the 43rd percentile. His hit, hit hard hit percentage is in the 29th percentile. Um, I came into tonight. I was going to say, yeah, he's definitely a major league hitter. Totally. Absolutely. Um, looking at these numbers, not sure I believe that anymore. You just <laughs> the the barrel percentage, um, the the uh, the and the average exit velocity especially is concerning. Like I said, what I look for when I look at hitters is I want to know: Are you hitting the ball hard? That's right. what I care about. That's what I'm looking at. Like, is it fun to talk about? Oh, does Bobby Witt Jr. have a 2020 season and half a season from? The end of May through the end of August? Why, yes, he does. Could that mean he's up due up for a 40-40 season sometime soon? It could. Um, that's exciting. That's fun. Let's talk about that for sure. But like, is he hitting the ball hard? Yeah, Bobby Witt's hitting it real hard, guys. He's hitting mm-hmm. it real hard. And so you're like, oh yeah, totally. He could keep doing this. When somebody and I know that the ex the the expected stats on baseball savant are supposed to tell you a little bit about like how you can project them, but Man, when you top out in the 76th percentile for expected batting average, 61st in ex-WOBA, and you're not hitting the ball hard, um, somebody, somebody's, if the Royals cut him, which they probably will, they probably should, um, another guy we're going to talk about here in a little bit, uh, it, you know, needs that roster spot, mm-hmm. needs that playing time um, that he had earlier this year and is not getting because that guy's already on the roster. Yep. Um, he needs to get cut. Um, somebody's going to bring him in on a minor league deal, probably, and he's going to find some more major league at bats and see if he can figure it out. So, I guess what I'm saying is, 
he's he's got enough to pique interest. He I don't know that he's got enough to stick. Yeah, no, that's that's a good way to put it. To simply answer the question, yes, I think he's an MLB hitter, just right. not in Kansas City. Well, just not in Kansas City because put him in Cincinnati. Yeah, something. I I think he needs to go latch on with the with an NL team, something in in that range. But he needs to latch on with a team that has a hole in a like true designated hitter spot. Yeah. The Royals, which is more time, more teams than you'd think, especially now that every team has a designated hitter. Exactly, exactly. There are still some some teams who have not figured out having a full time designated hitter. And the the thing about Edward Olivares, you look at his platoon splits; they're good. Like he is a good bat to have in your lineup against right handed pitchers. Even this season alone, seven fifty one OPS, two sixty three batting average, four thirty three slugging. Like that's that's gonna play. Those that's are real good. numbers, yeah. Yeah, and that's what he does against the righties. So that's yeah. the strong side of the platoon. Exactly. So, so there's but, value in that. But the thing is, you look at 2024. Vinny Pasquantino will hopefully be back. We're trying to remove mm-hmm. a little bit, a little bit of workload off of Salvi. So put him at designated hitter. You already mm-hmm. have two bats that are better than Edward Olivar as a designated hitter. And I don't want I want him as far away. He he should have <laughs> left the glove in Omaha. Okay? Like that shouldn't even be a part of the bag that he is taking with him to games. She just have his cleats, his gloves, uniform, that's it. Go out there, don't even don't even worry about worry you about bare hand those balls, Edward. Yeah. You'll do yeah. better. Well, I mean his his arm strength is just fine, so I, I ain't worried about that. <laughs> but I I just don't want to see him in the field at all. And I'm worried that if he stays yeah. in Kansas City, they're going to try him out in the field again. Yeah, that's that's the big problem. We talked about, you know, does Michael Massey fit with somebody like Nick Lofton around? Does Edward Olivares fit when you've got, like you said, a Salvador Perez, a Vinny Pasquantino? Don't forget an MJ Melendez who Ooh, probably yeah. shouldn't be out in the field. Um, <laughs> uh, though I kind of hope that they'll trade MJ too. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's there's just there's not room. That's, 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 that's a good there. it's a good problem to have. It's what we need the Royals to be finding is like, yeah, there's not room for these guys. So trade them, cut them, move on and and keep improving your team. Yeah, I and that's all a part of being more transactional, like uh, like Aaron was talking about during the Q&A's earlier on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. got to identify do they fit do they work if they don't keep it moving got got better folks to uh to take their spot all right jeremy so for our our last point i do want to say this you were you're talking about the mystery guy getting edward olivares's playing time out Ooh. left field Ooh, spooky who's that oh it, it's none other than nelson velasquez who is he is raking we, we thought edward olivares was doing good during his time back Nelson Velasquez is on a whole nother level, my man. He is, yep. he is just, he has got eight home runs, 15 RBIs in 22 games. I, I get it. The on base percentage ain't great, but a 936 OPS in a 22 game span, like that's, that's pretty, that's pretty dang good. I will, I'll take that. And you know what? I know the Royals, they're like, I think there's, if I'm doing my math right, they're seven and fifteen with Velasquez making an appearance. Mm-hmm. That's a, uh, I guess that's a slightly better win percentage than they have this year. 
Mm. But so here, here's the thing. He is, I know he's not a plus defender. I don't even think he's an average defender in left nope. field. But, he's better than Edward Olivares, but that is such a low bar. That is a very, very, very low bar. I might be better uh, than Edward Olivares. Dang, that's tough. But I'm looking and I'm I'm looking at the numbers and I'm watching them in the field. And Jeremy, you can you can disagree with me on this. I think Nelson Velasquez is not just the favorite for starting in left field on opening day 2024. I think it is a lock. I think it okay. is I think it is a certainty that the Royals' best choice for left field opening day 2024 is none other than Nelson Velasquez. Your thoughts on that? I will give you that I think he's a lock barring a, just a disaster of a spring training. Mm -hmm. um, and somebody else doing amazing. I will grant you that he's a lock for a corner outfield position. Okay. All right. That's um, fair. I think NJ Melendez might have something to say about left field. I don't know how the two do in the two different corner outfield spots, but mm -hmm. I think unless they trade Melendez, those are your two guys that you're probably looking at. Okay. Um, our, our good friend, Preston, uh, at Royals Miners was tweeting today that he thinks Tyler Gentry is going to be up. I did see um, that, yeah. And he and then he wants Melendez to be the designated hitter. So then you'd put Gentry in right, you'd have Velasquez in left, and then you'd platoon Isbell and Waters in center with Kyle Isbell taking the short side of the platoon, which is kind of funny because he's a lefty. <laughs> uh, but... He actually has hit lefties better in a very small sample size, and Waters has hit righties better. So um, that, that makes a kind of sense, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting here. I'm looking at Velasquez's uh, baseball savant page because that's apparently just what I'm doing tonight. I'm looking at so. guys' baseball savant pages. He's not qualified in anything, so these are all kind of faded out. It's hard to see. You don't actually get the percentiles. But uh, one of the great things about uh, baseball savant is even if you don't know the percentiles, you just look for the color red. red mm -hmm. In in the case of baseball savant, means good. He got a lot of red on here. He uh, up here looking like Bobby Witt Jr. with all his red. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got an XWOBA three seventy nine, an XBA of two seventy, um, an X slug of five twenty four. All of which are greater than his actual average slug WOBA. Um, yeah. this is so what we're, I I've spent the whole time he's been here going, well, he can't keep doing that. He can't keep doing that. Um, according to baseball savant, he should be doing better. <laughs> so maybe he can. I I've also like every time I say he can't keep doing that, he hits another home run. Yeah. So, um, the dude is he's barreling the ball like crazy. Um, Average exit velocity is very high. Again, that's one stat I always look for. Um, sweet spot. You know, he he strikes out a fair bit. He's, he's, you know, he doesn't walk that much. But if he's going to hit the ball like that, you can live with it. Exactly. Um, and, and his defense, as you kind of alluded to, is not great, but you can live with it. This is what I was talking about when I was trying to argue earlier this year that I don't care about defense. I just care if you can hit. Edward Olivares kind of puts that theory, that idea to the test. <laughs> um, but Nelson Velasquez, he's fine. Um, the, the defense is not great, but he, if he hits like this, 
no one will care yeah. uh least of all me and and yeah so i am i'm i think at this point i'm all in on velasquez i i didn't i you know we hit the first home run and i was like well that's cool you know <laughs> not gonna mean anything and then he hit the next home run and i'm like well that's cool too doesn't mean anything and like i said he can't keep doing this but then he he's hit he's hit so many home runs he's hit as many home runs in uh, just a handful of games as michael massey has all year um more than some guys have hit all year i just i'm i'm excited to have him i cannot believe that the royals got him for jose quas uh and and yeah i can't wait to see what he does next year you know maybe Maybe he won't be that good next year. But also, y'all, he's just 24. Mm-hmm. Just 24. This is, he should be getting better. He's not yet in his prime, save for Bobby nope. Witt Jr., by the way. Uh, not yet in his physical prime. So, <laughs> I'm excited. Jeremy, the, the funniest thing you're talking about is baseball savant page, so I pulled it up. The funniest thing to me on this is similar batters to Nelson Velasquez. <laughs> 2022 Jorge Soler. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man, because that's it's so eerie. The Royals send a reliever to the Cubs and we get a big power bat for a corner or a big power bat in the corner outfield. I thought it was really interesting to look at his page and see expected home runs by park. And you you would expect that, okay, some of these more hitter-friendly parks going to have some spikes, things like that. That's usually how it works, right? If he played all of his 2023 games at Kauffman Stadium, they're tied They're tied for the most home runs with, with 11. He would That's... actually have less home runs in a place like Camden Yards or PNC Park. Like, his game isn't, <clears throat> isn't built for that. It's... So far, it kind of looks like it's built for Kauffman Stadium, which is very interesting. We don't we don't see that a whole lot. I will say that uh, 2022 Jorge Soler was not great. Um, <laughs> he's also got Franchi Cordero on here. Uh, not great. He does have 2022 Eugenio Suarez Ooh. Who, uh, and Jack Sawinski, who's got a little he's. He's the new, uh, what's his face, uh, Joey Gallo. So, three true really? outcomes guy. I didn't even uh, put that together. But I'm still very high on Nelson Velasquez. The the BABIP overall is still so low, and he's still putting out <clears> this <throat> production. I'm, I'm very excited. And I, Preston, I know you know the Royals minor leagues better than anyone else out there. But I ain't putting Tyler Gentry out there above Nelson Velasquez. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he wanted Nelson Velasquez gone. He wanted him. I think he wanted him in left too. Okay. And he wanted Gentry in right, oh. and then DH Melendez and Platoon, the two center fielders. Which My bad. I, I think there's a reasonable argument for that. Um, I'm I'm okay with Drew Waters just starting. Yeah. All the time, okay. and okay. and keep Isbell as a as a fourth outfielder. But that might just be me. I don't know. I still... And I know Isbell's been hitting a lot better of late, too. He has. But I feel like he did this last year. And One so I'm not, I'm not super like, oh, yeah, he's fixed. 
You, you can never say, say that with the Royals player, Jeremy. You know that. Because once you think they're fixed, they're broken again. That's, that's just True how enough. it works. I will, I will say, and we're, we have the whole offseason talk about stuff like this. But as I sit here today right now, my 2024 outfield to start off is Nelson in left field. But I can see the argument for him going to right. I understand that as well. It's just whatever the defensive alignment makes sense yeah. there, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what it is. I haven't. I'd have to look a lot deeper, and the the the, the sample sizes just aren't really there. Mm-hmm. So whatever the Royals pick, I'll probably be like, yeah, that's fine. But I am so high on having Drew Waters out there in right field. Are you? Okay. Yes, I, I like I like that because you so, still keep the defense of Isbell in center. Okay, so you you want to keep Isbell in center, and then okay. Okay, I I can see the argument for it. I just don't if, have if Isbell can can <laughs> keep doing any of this that he's been doing lately. Yeah, and you know what the the Royals have been so in on Kyle Isbell being their their top center fielder for mm-hmm. what like the past two seasons at least if I'm doing my mm-hmm. math correctly. And he's very good defensively out he is. there. He is. He's great defensively out there. We just talked. He just has a cold bat sometimes. And then, well, which is kind of a this is Rex loves to say speed doesn't slump, but you know what really doesn't slump OBP. Mm. Um, and the guy, the Royals don't have OBP guys, they don't, so they slump. Yep, uh, it's just that's just kind of how it is, and it's 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 also one of the reasons they all slump at the same time. Yeah, if if you're facing a bunch of pitchers who are getting you all to strike out then you all are struck out and you're not scoring any runs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, that is a good point. All right, Jeremy, let's go ahead and, uh, and wrap, wrap this up. Um, I, I got a review for the week. Do you have something for Royals review reviews? I, I will. If you go first, I will, I will go first. And you know what? While I have, there's a lot of things to review for this week. Um, wife and I just watched little mermaid, Thought that was the new Little Mermaid, that is. Thought that was pretty good, especially considering the other live action remakes. Um, My wife has also started making these things, which I would be throwing at Jeremy if we were in the same room. They're they're called chill pills. And they're just like, and they look like, (laughs) they look like pills. Oh, that's great. And you throw them at some, or you sit, I sit here and squeeze it sometimes. I throw it at her if she, if I want to annoy her. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, but what I want to review this week is the fact that the Los Angeles Angels just keep on disrespecting Shohei Otani. Um, I feel like it, it has reached <laughs> us a new a new low when they used a body double for him in the team picture. One, I I've been on both sides of this. I understand how hard it is to schedule a group picture. I I get that. But I also know how much of a pain in the butt photoshopping this to a believable rate is going to be. There's mm-hmm. some there's some poor intern out there just trying to make make their way in this world. It's going to sit there and just have to photoshop Shohei Otani into the uh, into the team picture. And the the worst part is it's I, I get it. They just needed a stand in. It's not even someone who looks like him. It's like a it's a, like a middle aged white guy who's someone from someone from the front office who they said was tall. 
Um, literally, literally, the quote is, in his stead, the Angels turned to a body double, someone very tall in the front office, name not to be discussed, per Valley Sports West. And it's so... It's I don't know, man. It, it just makes me cringe. I understand it. You gotta do it sometimes, but no, he's a superstar. My, you gotta do this. My favorite part was that they put him in the uniform. Like y'all are gonna have to take that out anyway. Why'd you put him in the uniform? What <laughs> yeah. are we <you> doing? <laughs> oh, but I um yeah, I didn't think that was. I I don't know the story behind why they did it fully. I, I think I saw somewhere that Shohei was getting some sort of medical evaluation when they were doing the group photo. And that that tracks, but I am I don't know, man. It just it just seems it seems disrespectful to me by it's, the angels. It's just reschedule the photo shoot, guys. Come on, you can just just get this get it together. Yeah, just, just the team's still all gonna be there tomorrow, probably. And oh, hold on. Here, here's another. Why the heck are they waiting until September 5th to take their team picture? I would yeah, assume I, that's something you do early in the season. I don't know. The, the Angels are the permanent enigma of baseball. They just how you can have the two best players on the planet and never go to the playoffs. I mean, I know they're playing in the same division as the Mariners, the Astros, and the Rangers, but for a bunch of years, it was just the Astros. Yep, and they still um, can poke in. Yeah, so I, I, like the wild card is a thing, y'all. Just get to the wild card, but no. So you know, um, <laughs> did you see what Anthony Rendon said to to the Angels reporters? No, what did he say? So if, if you don't know, Anthony Rendon was like a big major free agent signing, I think like three right. years ago now. He barely played for the Angels because of injuries. Yeah. And from Sam, which is, yeah, he was, Rendon had a couple of really good years. So from Sam Bloom, who is the Athletics Angels writer. So this isn't just a random What's fan. What's it like to have your own athletic writer for your team? I, 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 can't so remember, weird. I can't remember the feeling. It's crazy. But Anthony said when asked for an injury update, quote, no habla ingles today. And then put on a hoodie and <laughs> left the clubhouse. <laughs> so this man is pulling Spanglish out to uh to try and dodge the uh the reporters, I guess. Like the angels are just a mess. <laughs> I love that so much. <sighs> it's crazy. Oh my gosh. Oh. So Jeremy, good luck topping that review, because that was uh was a doozy. The angels. No one can top the angels. <laughs> uh so this week I'm gonna give you a kind of a oh review in progress, let's say. Okay. Um so a few years ago, I was getting into audiobooks for the first time, and I listened. I, I just was like, just browsing the Audible store. Like, I don't know what to listen to. So I'm like, yeah, I'll just browse through the fantasy section until something sounds good. And I found um, this book, A Discovery of Witches. 
okay. which uh, ended up being the first book in a trilogy called the All, All Souls trilogy. I do not remember uh, the name of the writer, um, but I ended up listening to the whole trilogy, and it was very mediocre. Really, um, it was fine. It wasn't great. It was fine. That's not what I'm reviewing. Somehow, this mediocre book trilogy got a TV show adaptation. Three seasons, all three books. I think. I hope. I pray. <laughs> um, I think with three books, three seasons makes sense. I know there are three seasons. Um, on AMC or AMC Plus, mm-hmm. which is currently available through Max, which used oh. to be HBO Max. Um, and I, my mom was like, no, I know that the books were mediocre, but you need to watch this. And so I went and I watched the first episode. I, that was one of the things I did with my bonus day off this week on Labor Day. Oh yeah. I watched, I watched the first episode of a discovery of witches TV series. And my goodness, the production value, not necessarily in special effects, Though they did, um, they kind of underplay the special effects and use some practical stuff so that it doesn't feel like ridiculous, like special effects often do. Um, and but the acting and the the uh, the framing, the composition of the shots were just absolutely fantastic. Um, it it elevated the material to a whole new level, um, and I can't wait to watch the rest of the series. Obviously, I haven't got around to it yet. Only watched that first episode. <laughs> but um, I was just blown away by how good um, the acting was and how good the camera work and, and basically all the, the cinematography stuff was. So if you're a fan of that kind of stuff, and even if you aren't, because I bet you can feel it when you watch something like that, even if you don't know what the rule of thirds is or any of yeah. that stuff, um, you can still feel it when you see it on screen. Um go go and you have access to max go check that out um i think i think it's worth your while i hope a lot of people watch it i hope everybody working on that show or work who worked on that show has lots and lots of other jobs when the strikes end and gets paid lots and lots of money because they are all clearly very talented hey i've only heard good things about it and yes you are right it got three seasons um three seasons only it ended on January 7th, 2022. So you, uh, you got some watching to do, but unfortunately it's, uh, it's not going to last you very long, Jeremy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to tell you. Why is that? Well, it's, a, it, it's only three seasons, man. Oh, well, I mean, that's fine. Okay. As long as, long as there's full episodes well, and the, yeah. the whole story gets told. If it ends on a, go for it. If it ends on a cliffhanger, I'm, I'm going to just, lose my mind my sister i gotta i'm gonna just completely i'm stealing the bus from you that's fine podcast is the bus and i'm stealing it wow um my sister my the summer between freshman and sophomore years i was at home from college didn't have a job didn't have anything to do bored out of my mind i went to my sister i'm like sis and this was before streaming services because i'm old netflix was not yet a streaming service (laughs) still Um, yeah I, i don't even think netflix had Uh, I think it had started, but it wasn't popular yet. So I didn't know about it. Um, And I went to my sister and I'm like, you have a bunch of DVDs in here. Um, Because that's how we used to watch TV kids. 
uh, in my day, we had DVD box sets. Um, so I'm like, you have a bunch of DVDs in here. I need something to do. Please, please recommend me something. And so she gave me Dark Angel. Have you ever seen Dark Angel? I've heard of it. I haven't watched it. No. Uh, it's a, uh, a cyberpunk TV series. It was on USA back in the day. Um, okay. Jessica Alba lead. Um, she was she was big deal back in the day. Um, and and I was hooked. I was all in very quickly. So I steamrolled through that first season. I got the second season from her. I've devoured that. Got to the end of the second season massive cliffhanger like the everyone's about to go to war and all this there's like mutants and all this stuff and i'm like oh my gosh what's gonna happen i went to my sister i'm like i need season three she's like there is no season three i'm like all right well we gotta go get it then i'm like we gotta go get it then she says no no it's not that i don't have it it's that it does not exist they canceled the show after two seasons oh my god and i was i was just devastated it's bad enough to fall in love with a TV series when it's airing and have it canceled out from underneath you. But to then come years later, or at least months later, I don't know how long after it was sometime later when the show is already canceled and have someone be like, here, watch this, fall in love with it. Never find out how it ends. Did did you blame your sister on that one? Cause I think she kind of played a part in that. I did. I was not happy. I was very upset with her. I did find that the writers of the show did write a trilogy, a book of a trilogy of books to kind of wrap up the story, but it was not great. I um, see. So Man. it was. Yeah, I was. I haven't. I, I don't. I only think about that series because of the cliffhanger thing. I don't actually remember anything else about it. Oh my uh, god! That I other <laughs> except I liked it, and there was a massive cliffhanger, and then it was canceled. Boo. Don't like it. Don't like it. You can it. have the bus back now. Okay. Th- thank you. Well, I'm going to hand the, my, my wife tried to yank at the wheel a little bit too. And she, uh, she said, watch, <laughs> watch Lucifer. That's her. Uh, that, that was, that's her review. Did that get canceled after cliffhanger? No, but it's one of the best shows I've watched in a decade. And I'm the resident cinephile. So there you go. All right. I'll put it on my list. How's that? Six seasons long. One of the best TV shows I've seen made in the last she she loves it and she went right through it all right let me listen you, you've already derailed the bus so i, I gotta tell you this about yeah, do buses about, go on rails what is what kind of bus are we driving here one driven by nicholas cage of course <laughs> <laughs> oh but no so my my last experience with a dvd box set of any show was smallville when, <laughs> when so i because I I loved it. It was superheroes. I thought it was really cool. I'm like, all right, cool. Seventeen year old. I'm waiting to waiting to get shipped out to the Navy, and I don't I don't have like I don't have a full time job or anything like that. I'm just chilling with my parents. And so how I would pass the time if I didn't have any work to do or anything like that is I would spend like ten or fifteen bucks on a big box of junk wax cards, which is like the the baseball cards from the late 80s to early 90s like that they they just overproduced and they're not worth anything no matter the player and like i'm talking i could get thousands of cards for 10 to 15 dollars okay. and 
I would put on on one screen, I would put on Smallville and watch that. And then on the other screen, this this makes me feel so bad, but I found it soothing at the time. So please don't crucify me. I would log each card. Like player, I remember it was player, team, year. um, <laughs> And then like manufacturer. And I would I did that with like three of the medium flat rate boxes full of baseball cards. That's it's honestly adorable, Jacob. <laughs> well, thank you. It was the little seventeen year old Jacob just trying to pass the time, you know. <laughs> but no, it is okay. We are we are way overdue on this uh, on this, this episode. This bus is now sailing away without us. Yes, th- this bus is now is now flying through the air like Thelma and Louise. <laughs> is, this, is this a magic school bus? I hope I, it's not. Unfortunately, it's going to crash. Oh well, don't nice you story. worry. I know it, it was great knowing you. If you uh, if you want to pay your your um what what's the word? If you want to pay your respects to Jeremy and I. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Jeremy on Twitter at Hakaius. That is H O K I U S. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Milham Casey. And listen, we got Royals, Chiefs, everything in between over on our Twitter accounts. But we would who's, love to keep the conversation going with you over there. Who's going to win tomorrow night? Oh, it's it's going to be the Chiefs. All right. Good. Yeah. Glad we're on the same page. I think I, I did my predictions for the Arrowhead Addict article today. Um, like okay. we, do a, we do a big staff predictions article every week. And like I had the biggest winning margin, so I'm I'm a little yes. concerned. I had them. I predicted them to win forty eight to twenty seven. Oh my goodness! Yes, so Andy Reid's gonna let off the gas before that can happen. You realize that, right? Probably so. Probably so. But I just want to see him go for the throat. It's, I I want to see Andy Reid's villain era. I'm I'm ready for it. That that would be something. Andy Reid's villain era with Patrick Mahomes. Because Patrick Mahomes is secretly living his villain era right now. Yeah. Like, everyone sees him in the commercials. He's very funny. He's very charming. It's great. But, like, you look at Patrick Mahomes in the field, he is living his villain era. <laughs> he is happy to be everyone's worst nightmare. That and is. if Andy Reid jumped on that bus, wherever, what kind of, whether it's a bus that goes on tracks or it flies or whatever kind of bus that was, they were on that bus together, that bus would go places. It would. It would It would go to the moon. That bus would go right to the moon and to another Lombardi trophy. But anyway, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Thank you, everyone, for listening out there. Please go check out RoyalsReview.com for Royals news, updates, and analysis. And you can find that on our podcast Twitter as well, at Royal Rundown Pod. But thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. And until next time, go Royals!